0: Welcome to 7 Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7 Minute Torah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm recording this on October 17th. We are sitting now at day 9 or 10 of this war between Israel and Hamas, the current incarnation of which was sparked by the horrific attack on the southern communities last Saturday morning, in which I don't have to tell you the statistics anymore 1,300 Israelis were murdered. Over 200 people now seem to have been kidnapped or taken captive into Gaza. And as I sit here today, we seem to be still in an escalation phase. I don't know about you, but I'm checking the news constantly, maybe a little too constantly. It's hard to think about, talk about, write about, record about almost anything else besides these tremendous and worrying and horrifying events going on in Israel and now in Gaza. And so as I prepare this week's Torah portion, it is, of course, with all these thoughts and events in my head. We're reading this week from Parshat Noach. Noach is from Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 through chapter 11 verse 32, and Noach is, of course, the story of Noah. This, of course, is an incredibly well-known story, The story of how God decides to flood the earth to wipe out all life, except for one family, Noah and his children, who are charged with saving either two or seven, depending on the version of the story, of every animal on earth, and bringing about a new birth, a rebirth of life and of the world. And there are about a thousand things to say about this parsha, of course. I've given 16 sermons on it in the last 16 years and everyone has been different. But what caught my eye this week as I was reading was a reference, a startling reference, right at the beginning of the parsha. In verse 11 it says, "Vatishakhet ha'aretz lifnei ha'Elohim. The world became corrupt before God. ha'aretz chamas." And the world was filled with lawlessness. This, of course, is the reason that God decides to wipe out all life. There is some kind of lawlessness and corruption going on amongst all living things, and God decides that it can't be solved, that God has to just start over again. What was so startling as I was reading it was the word, the Hebrew word, for lawlessness. I don't know if you noticed as I was reading in Hebrew, but Maleh Aretz Hamas, the world was filled with Hamas. In other words, the word for lawlessness and violence seems to be ripped right out of our headlines this week. It's almost like you're reading a newspaper rather than the Torah. Now, I'm not one of these people who believes that the Torah predicts things. You know, I've seen sermons already this week saying things like, look, the Torah is predicting what's happening in 2023. It's a secret code. The Torah is trying to give us a warning as to what's going to occur. I don't think Torah works that way. I think that Torah is written by people living a long time ago who were talking about the world they were living in, not somehow magically predicting the future of the world. But it is startling to see so starkly this this word, Hamas, that is so present in our vocabulary right now. That, of course, represents an organization that we as Jews link with lawlessness and violence, just as the Torah seems to do here. And so it's worth digging into the question of what the Torah is saying is happening here. What kind of lesson? we're supposed to draw out of this ancient story that still seems to be relevant even today. And so I looked at some of the commentaries to find out what the meaning is of this word, and I found some really interesting things. First of all, when we look at the Hebrew word Hamas, we're not talking about the same thing as the modern Arabic acronym. I mean, the Hamas movement is an acronym for Islamic Resistance Movement, and so the fact that it also happens to mean lawless violence in Hebrew is just a chilling coincidence. What the word actually does mean, according to my Brown-Driver-Briggs Hebrew and English lexicon of the Bible, is to treat violently or to be wrong. So when the Torah says, "Vatmaleha leh hamas, the world was filled with corruption, with violence. What the, what the Torah seems to be saying is that the world is filled with wrongness. God looks out over the world and sees that something is profoundly wrong. Something is profoundly, violently wrong within the world. And the rabbinic commentators want to know what that is, and they explore it in a number of different ways. So the commentator Ibn Ezra, 12th century Spanish commentator, says that what was going on here was theft, oppression, and the taking of women against their will. In other words, rape. So again, the resonances with what we've seen over this last week and a half are are chilling, are startling. The Eitz Chaim commentary translates the word as bloodshed, falsehood, or deceit. And in the Jerusalem Talmud, there's a little anecdote where it says that this word refers to people cheating each other for such small sums that the courts could not prosecute them. This led to a loss of faith in the power of government, and this leads to society beginning to slip into anarchy. So whatever's going wrong in society here at the beginning of this Torah portion, it's something that is so fundamental that it leads to a breakdown, or it has the capacity to lead to a breakdown in society, which is why, of course, God feels the need to start over. There's one more really interesting location or note about this Hebrew word hamas. And by the way, it appears all over the Bible. This is not an uncommon word. But one other place where it appears is in a couple of weeks Parsha in the story of Abraham and Hagar and Sarah, where, if you remember the story, Hagar is the handmaid of Sarah, and when Sarah is unable to conceive, she gives her handmaid to Abraham as a wife or as a concubine. Abraham conceives a child with her, and that's the child Ishmael. Then the Torah tells us that when she, Hagar, saw that she had conceived, her mistress, Sarah, was lowered in her esteem. And Sarah said to Avram, Chamasi Alecha, the wrong done to me is your fault. So Sarah sees that her esteem has been lowered in the eyes of Hagar, and she uses this word Hamas to describe the violence or the wrong that's being done to her. So in this case it doesn't seem to be a physical violence, that is to say, Hagar hasn't attacked Sarah. But there's a lowering of esteem, a cheapening of her worth in the eyes of the other. So the word Hamas has a lot of resonances, many of which are violent resonances. And in this last story, this story of Sarah and Hagar, it's much more about The lowering of esteem, or in other words, the cheapening of life. And I think that is a point worth making here, especially as we look at what happened in Israel last week. A violent rampage like the one that Hamas went on can only be performed by someone who holds human life, or at least certain human lives, in low esteem. By someone who has dehumanized the other to the point where They can't see or take note of or care about the death or the suffering of the other. And maybe that's what the Torah is trying to warn against here, that a society, that a world cannot exist when people cannot see each other as human. Now, it's easy to condemn that in Hamas, the rampage, the horrific, murderous attack of last weekend is unprecedented in the level of evil, the overt decision to purposefully go after civilians. It's easy to look at that situation and condemn it and say that was an absolute evil. It's harder to recognize that there are layers of dehumanization going on throughout the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And here, because I'm not an Israeli, I want to turn to a podcast that I was listening to earlier this week. And that's the Hartman Institute's podcast, For Heaven's Sake, with Daniel Hartman and Yossi Klein-Halevi, the October 16th edition, which is called Israel at War, Moral Red Lines. And in that podcast, Daniel Hartman calls on Israelis, not to respond to hate with hate, not to respond to dehumanization with dehumanization. He expresses a worry that Israeli society could respond to these horrific events by closing off compassion for the human beings on the other side of the border. Here, I'm quoting Danielle Hartman in this podcast. He says, quote, over the past week, I haven't really thought about civilian casualties in Gaza. And then he goes on to say, I'm not nominating myself as Moral Person of the Year for it, but what feels natural in week one, right after the attack, is no longer acceptable in week two. A murderous organization like Hamas doesn't come out of nowhere. Radical evil is not a surprise. It's produced by a vocabulary Of dehumanization. And the Neil Hartman closes by saying, I don't want a Jewish people to grow up in which Gazan lives just aren't on our radar screen. I know we have to fight this war. I know we have to win this war, but we also have to win it in a way that we remain who we are. And that I think is the challenge of this moment in the wake of these murderous attacks, it's easy to fall back on defensiveness and fear and hatred. It's easy to hate the one who came after you. But Hamas and Palestinians are not the same. And as Israel moves forward in this war, this war where civilian lives will certainly be lost, it cannot be with a callousness toward the people suffering, on either side of the border. It must be with an eye toward recognizing the humanity of people, whether they're like us or whether they're not like us. These are troubling times, tragic even, maddening. I think in moments like this, we need community and we need our tradition more than ever. And part of the message here seems to be that we're required to maintain a sense of moral clarity, which means maintaining your sense that there are people there in front of you. Now, that might not always change what you'll do, but at least you maintain your humanity in the midst of a dehumanizing situation. Thanks for listening, everyone. Even in troubling times, there is Torah. And I want to invite you to join us at La Soque for two wonderful upcoming classes. Beginning next Thursday, October 26th, at 3 p.m. Eastern and running for four weeks. We have a class being taught by Rabbi Leah Berkowitz called Writing the Sacred Story, Classical and Contemporary Midrash. Come study Midrash and try your hand at creating Midrash as well through writing, art, and other media. And then starting the following Monday, October 30th at noon Eastern, we have a class with Rabbi Dr. Mark Wachowski Called introduction to reform responsa what does it mean for a quote-unquote non-halachic jewish movement to use jewish legal texts in arguing questions of religious practice you can sign up for either of those at laasok.org laasok.org as always email me at rabbistreifer at gmail.com either about our classes or with comments about this week's podcast 7-Minute Torah is a production of La'asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoy this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.